tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and this is the Sober Powered Podcast. I'll tell you how I finally stopped chasing the buzz and what I've learned along the way. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and if you're new here, I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. If that sounds interesting, please subscribe. Today, I'm going to talk about the desire to just drink on special occasions. I hear this a lot from people in the online sober community. They get sober, but their goal is to eventually just drink on special occasions. 
I'll explain why this is basically impossible for problem drinkers because of the extensive damage alcohol does to our prefrontal cortex. I have some interesting survey results to talk about too, from a survey that looked at work and family holiday parties. Before we get going, I've started an email list and every Tuesday I will be sending out a summary of that week's podcast episode. I'll be sending out the survey from this episode so you can read all the results yourself. These emails may also include diagrams and deeper explanations if applicable. There's a link in the show notes that you can use if you'd like to subscribe. So let's dig in. Some sober people will quit drinking because they're so done with alcohol and the misery that it's brought to their lives. Others will quit but still carry hopes and dreams of being able to moderate someday. I couldn't actually quit drinking until I gave up hope of being able to moderate in the future. A common desire I see from these types of sober people is that they eventually want to be able to drink on special occasions. I had this hope too, and it was because I knew I wasn't able to moderate and just drink on the weekend. I had already proved a million times that I couldn't do it. When I challenged myself to 90 days sober, I was desperate to find a way to keep alcohol in my life, and the only way I could think of doing it was by just drinking on special occasions. None of us actually want to just drink on special occasions. We want to be able to drink whenever we want, which is all the time, but we will desperately accept just drinking a few times a year if it means that we can keep drinking. My ideal drinking would have been an entire bottle to myself and then being able to stop. Anything less than that was a waste of time. You might feel the same way without realizing it. So I actually lurked on sober Facebook groups for about two years before I finally quit. And I remember someone told me, you drink to get drunk, not because you like the taste. I thought he was completely wrong about me and it was really hurtful. But what I've been able to realize in the past few months is I did drink to get a mega buzz on. I never wanted just one glass of wine. I wanted to be able to have three or four glasses and stop. When I planned to drink, it was never to get drunk, but as soon as I started, that was clearly my intention. Ask yourself, is one drink really going to do anything for you? We want to drink on special occasions because it's so socially acceptable to get drunk at weddings, parties and on your birthday. We feel like we're missing out, like the occasion won't be as fun without alcohol. But if you think back to all the special occasions from your drinking days, how many of them were wonderful and how many of them were ruined because of alcohol? I know this is a controversial topic in the sober community, but I drink non-alcoholic drinks. They don't trigger me or make me want to go drink the real thing, so it's fine for me. I'm actually able to moderate my non-alcoholic drinking. It's something that I'm constantly laughing about to myself. I'll leave bottles of non-alcoholic wine in the fridge for so long, I can't even finish them. Or I'll get a mocktail at a restaurant and only drink half. I'm able to have just one drink without having any rules keeping track of how many I had, having designated days where I can drink non-alcoholic drinks, or obsessing over them. This is how I imagine drinking moderately must feel for non-problem drinkers. It's completely impossible for me to ever have that kind of relationship with alcohol. 
If you don't drink non-alcoholic drinks, then think of how you approach iced tea or juice. Do you limit yourself to a certain number of glasses? Do you have specific days that you have to force yourself not to drink tea? Can you only drink one cup of tea per hour? Probably not, and that probably sounds ridiculous, but that's exactly how we treat alcohol. I really, truly believed that I could figure moderation out. Even though problematic drinking has been a thing for thousands of years and no one has been able to figure out how to cure it yet, if anyone could figure out how to turn a problem drinker into a normal drinker, they would be the richest person in the entire world. They could charge whatever they wanted for that information and most of us would willingly pay and think nothing of the amount. That's because we're obsessed with alcohol and you can't become unobsessed and still drink alcohol. If you haven't listened to episode 20 about moderation yet, then please check that one out soon. Our brains are just different. We respond to alcohol differently and it's not a choice to drink the way that we drink. Many things can cause this. Genetics determines the way our body processes alcohol, the baseline levels of endorphins and neurotransmitters that we have, and how long they hang around before they're recycled. Trauma and stress can change the way our genes are regulated, making some genes more active than they would have ever been without the trauma. And we all have varying degrees of neuroplasticity in our brains. So remember, neuroplasticity is the brain's ability to respond to internal and external stimuli by reorganizing its structure, functions, or connections. So in other words, it's the way the brain responds to what's going on in our bodies in real time. Some of us have brains that just aren't very good at adapting on the fly, and it's not our fault. In episode 20, I discuss an interesting study from 2019 where researchers found that having less plasticity in the pathway that connects part of our prefrontal cortex to our reward center is responsible for rats not being able to stop drinking even though they knew they'd receive a shock every time they drank. The prefrontal cortex guides our decision-making abilities, so when the connection between this area of the brain and the reward system is dysfunctional, the message that we need to stop drinking or something bad will happen isn't sent, so we just keep drinking because we love to drink. You can't fix that kind of problem. There's not a moderation strategy or drinking rule that exists that can change the way that your brain is wired. If there was a magical moderation fairy that could grant us all the ability to have full control over our drinking only on our birthdays and as long as we didn't drink for the rest of the year, those of us who are desperate enough to keep alcohol around would totally go for it. We'd spend the year fantasizing, counting down the days, making plans, and as our birthdays got closer, we'd focus more and more on our one day of drinking. That wouldn't be enough, though. The days after our birthday would be filled with cravings and attempts to bargain with ourselves. Drinking on special occasions isn't enough for us. It's not what we actually want to do. I ruined all of my special occasions by drinking. I can't think of one time where I have a good memory of the whole night, not just the beginning. After I completed my 90-day challenge, I ruined my very first special occasion, which was my 29th birthday, by getting drunk and having fuzzy memories. If you're thinking of drinking during the holiday season because you feel left out or you think drinking is essential for fun or connection, try to think back to all of your other special occasions when you did drink. 
Is it worth it? I've found that even if I am having less fun, it's balanced. I don't start off on a super high, only to crash down a couple hours into my lowest lows. And you never know how bad the low will get either. Are you just going to fight with your partner? Are you going to fight with your partner, storm out and drive and get pulled over? Are you going to fight with your partner and then fall down the stairs? Like, you never know what's going to happen. An annual survey from 2013 commissioned by Care and Treatment Centers was based on a nationwide sample of around 2,000 adults 21 and over. The regional clinical vice president of Care and Treatment Centers in New York, Dr. Harris Stratner, said alcohol is still the number one cause of damaging behavior at holiday celebrations throughout the U.S. We tend to see an increase in alcohol abuse during the holidays, and the findings show that many people have no sense of how much alcohol is healthy to consume or how it impairs them when they go past that low-risk limit. It's a serious public safety concern when 60% of adults who attend holiday parties witness dangerous or even illegal behavior. Low-risk drinking is no more than four drinks per day for men and no more than three drinks per day for women, with a maximum of 14 drinks a week for men and seven drinks a week for women. Based on the survey results, many Americans either don't know this or don't take it seriously. Part of the survey asked about work and family holiday parties, and the results were very interesting. 44% of respondents said that three or more drinks during family parties was fine as long as the person could hold their liquor and not drive. So I guess holding your liquor means not getting sloppy and making a problem. 32% said that three or more drinks was fine at work parties as long as the person could hold their liquor and not drive. Many of the respondents also noted that these types of parties could escalate into more destructive behavior. 60% of people who have attended a work holiday party said that they saw a drunk coworker behaving inappropriately, doing things like slapping a female coworker on her butt or throwing up on the boss. Those were actual responses to the survey. Out of these 60%, half of them saw a coworker or supervisor share inappropriate personal details to other colleagues. 45% saw a coworker or supervisor flirting with another colleague. 43% saw a coworker or supervisor drive even though they were drunk, and 30% saw a coworker or supervisor argue, be abusive or engage in sexual activity. Similarly, 60% of respondents said that a family member got drunk and behaved inappropriately during a family holiday party. Some examples were fistfights and emotionally abusive behavior. I've been really drunk at company parties and it always made me feel uncomfortable around my coworkers after. Seeing people that you work with drunk is strange. At a previous company party, the CEO of my company came over to meet my husband. And when I turned around to look at him, I noticed that he was extremely drunk. It was so shocking and I couldn't forget it. So does any of that sound fun? It's weird that drinking is so normalized and cool, but it ruins our nights and humiliates us a decent amount of the time. 60% of people saw a coworker or family member behaving inappropriately. That's the majority. 
So if the majority of our parties are ruined by alcohol, why would we be so desperate to drink on special occasions? It's because as problem drinkers, we are obsessed with alcohol. We will make any excuse, rule, or deal to keep it in our lives. Because our prefrontal cortex is so messed up from all the alcohol we've been drinking, we can't accurately judge our own situation. So we can't look at this and say, well, alcohol has ruined every special occasion that I've ever drank at, so why would I want to drink on special occasions? We can't think that way. We just think alcohol is essential. I cannot survive without alcohol. And the last bargain that I have is I will just drink on special occasions. The frontal lobes of the brain are especially vulnerable to alcohol-induced damage and seem to have more white matter damage than the other areas of the brain. White matter forms the connections between neurons and how the different areas of the brain communicate with each other. This area of the brain is responsible for decision-making and risk assessment. So if that area is heavily damaged, then this explains why it's so hard for us to have any sort of control over our drinking. If our frontal lobe is significantly damaged and our decision-making abilities are compromised, then how can we ever have the ability to just drink on special occasions? The prefrontal cortex forms many neural networks with other areas of the brain that govern behavioral control. If this area of the brain takes a huge hit from alcohol abuse and the connections are damaged, then of course we can't control our behavior. How could we expect to control our behavior just on special occasions when we haven't been able to ever control our behavior before? Alcohol changes the way that we approach tasks, and alcohol abuse has been shown to cause more damage to executive functioning than cocaine. Executive functioning are skills like working memory, flexible thinking, and self-control. So if alcohol messes up our ability to exert self-control, then how do you expect to have self-control on special occasions? Alcohol doesn't care if the day is special or not. It's going to blow up your life all the same, probably more because it's a special occasion. If you're still maintaining hopes and dreams that you will be able to drink again one day, then I urge you to really think about everything that I said. I truly believe that once you cross the line into alcohol abuse, you can't uncross it, and the science seems to agree with me. If you celebrate Christmas, then I hope that you have an amazing alcohol-free holiday. Once you prove to yourself that you can do this, the next holiday will be easier for you. I promise, even if you never have that initial high feeling, your day and mood will be stable. You will be safe from humiliating yourself, falling, having drunk fights with your partner or family, throwing up, blacking out, and nighttime anxiety. So Merry Christmas. Please make sure that you subscribe to my email list, and I will talk to you guys next week. Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. 
So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.